So, uh, like Lindsay said, this is the fifth week of the series that we're doing, How to Be Human, and we've been taking a look at the Ten Commandments, and most importantly, how they intersect with our lives now, how they um, affect and impact our humanness. Um, so this week, the fifth commandment is honor your mother and father. The reason that I asked uh, Jim to read the, the entire text, we've been doing just each section by itself, but I wanted you to see and be reminded of the text that has come before this, particularly the commandments that have come before this, because I'm going to spend a little time pointing out some compare and contrast to the fifth commandment and the rest of the commandments. So one of the first things I want you to note here is that the audience for these commandments, if you will remember, were all of the Israelites. Nowhere in the text does it say that this commandment is for the children who are present at that gathering. Now, I don't know about you, but much of my life, when I've heard that commandment, I, I thought of it as, oh, kids, honor your parents. Kids, children, young people. That's not what the text tells us. It was the gathering of all of the Israelites. God is speaking to them directly about these commandments. The second thing I want to point out to you, and I, I think Pastor Eric might have referenced this in a previous week, but this fifth commandment is the turn where we, we turn our attention from the, the four previous were all about our relationship, our vertical relationship to God. And now we're making the turn to our horizontal, our lateral relationships with other people. Now, I think this is significant that, that this is the one that makes that pivot because God is both and, right? I mean, God is, God is also considered throughout Scripture as a parent. Um, so I think, but he also cares very much about how we treat others. So I think it's significant that that's where you find it. If you take a look at the first four, or the, the list of all 10 will be up there, but the first four, I am the Lord, your God. You will have no other gods before me. Don't make any idols for yourself. Don't misuse the name of God. Keep the Sabbath. Those all speak to our relationship of how we should treat God, how we should honor him and respect him, give him our attention. Then next six, though, Talk about how we should treat other people. Honor your mother and father. Next week, Pastor Eric's going to teach about not committing murder. I can tell you that it will be more, he will unpack that further so that you do not feel like, oh, well, I've never killed someone. I thought of it, but I've never done it. And so there will be something in there for you, I promise you. Uh, future weeks, you shall not commit adultery, don't steal, no false witness, don't covet. All of those speak to us about how we should treat each other. So the first four teach us how to honor and love God. The next six teach us how to love and honor, honor other people. Once again, we can see the connection. When we look at, I'm sorry, will you pull that list back up, Larry? Thank you. When we see that list, it reminds us of the language that Pastor Eric talked about in a previous week also that points to the language that Jesus uses in the New Testament. It's about loving God and loving others. Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says that is the most important commandment. So looking at the list as a, as a full list, it's easy to make the connection to that language in the New Testament. So what I want to say to you, I want to propose this crazy out there thought. Maybe getting God things right helps us get people things right. Anybody? It was just me. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> I 
Mike had a great question last week, and I thought of it for this week's commandment as well. Why would God think that this, this commandment is as significant, that carries the same weight as do not kill, or you shall have no other gods before me? I mean, it, it has to speak to how important it is that he, that he feels that it is that how we treat each other people. And let me just tell you, in case you didn't already know this, just not killing someone is not enough. Just so you know. That's the bare minimum of how we should be treating each other, right? There's got to be more than that. Am I hearing some disagreements? No, okay. I was like, whoa, speak to me after the gathering. We've got some things to chat about. <laughs> I also want to take a look and spend some time on what this commandment does not say. You ready? It does not say, honor your good mother and your good father. Yep. I looked. Doesn't say it. It does not say that you only have to honor the parents that you deem worthy of honor. That's not what it says. It also does not say that you must love or even like your mother and father. It says you'll honor them. Now, this is important because in the Bible, we can find a lot of other places where there is very specific language about who we are supposed to love. We are supposed to love God. We are supposed to love our neighbors. We're even supposed to love strangers. But here, he says, you must honor your mother and father. Now, I think that maybe that's because God understands the brokenness of our world and he knows that for some of us, because of a very different painful circumstances, it is simply impossible to consider loving and liking our parents at times. But he still says we must honor them. Sometimes, maybe most of the time, the most challenging relationships are the ones that are closest to us. Preaching to me too. At some point, you guys, we've got to work through the tension of that. The Bible doesn't give us a pass to not honor our mother and father. In Matthew 15 and Mark 7, Jesus speaks to this, thing, to this very thing, actually. He's basically scolding the Pharisees who have allowed something in their culture called korban, which essentially means that the Pharisees have allowed the people to set aside or tag their resources that were intended by the law to honor and care for their parents. They've, set that, they've allowed them to set that aside and say, this is for God. For the purpose of getting out of following this, following this commandment. And Jesus is saying, you want to chastise me and the disciples because we have approached our meal with unclean hands. And yet this is the thing that you allow? This is a commandment that you're willing to break? The hypocrisy. Pastor Eric talked about this a few weeks ago, reminding us to be very careful not to use God's speak. God language, Christian bumper stickers, to check some box on these commandments or to get out of them. 
The Bible also doesn't give us a pass even if the parents haven't necessarily done the hard work of being honorable. That's just the reality of it. That's not what the text says. We're called to offer grace to them when they're not perfect. The truth is that honor is not always earned. We like to think it is, but it is not always earned. But just like grace, we're called to give it anyway. I came across this quote as I was studying this week from Sigmund Freud, who was, I'm sure you've heard of him, a well-known psychiatrist and scholar. He was also a self-proclaimed atheist. But listen to what he speaks of when he, when he says this about our relationship with our father. One's attitude toward one's father largely shapes one's attitude toward God. This is from, from somebody who's not even a believer. How has that been true in your life? Has the way that you view your parents, either positively or negatively, influenced your view of God? Has it had an impact on the way you consider your relationship with God? See, the truth is what God's intention was is that parents would raise their children and bless them and send them out into the world. That's certainly what he intended. But I think we all can speak to a reality where that may or may not be true. It's not, it doesn't always happen. And it's definitely easier to honor the parents who have done that for us. But sometimes we just don't get it. And the text doesn't give you an out, even still. Relationships reveal and test the true character and content of our hearts. So what are your relationships with your mother and father right now revealing to you? Now, I'm going to spend a couple minutes on something else that's incredibly important to me and that I, that I read in this. What about those of us whose parents may have already passed away? Does that leave you feeling like the woman that Maisha portrayed in the video where you just don't feel like there's anyone you can go to, anyone who's gone before you? So we're going to spend a couple minutes talking about something called spiritual parents or guides, elders, the ones who have gone before us. Scripture tells us about uh, spiritual parents. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and, and refers to himself as their spiritual father. He refers to them and particularly Timothy as his beloved child in Christ. You guys, there is a very real and I would say even a very urgent need for the, these kinds of relationships today. The kind of relationships like Maisha spoke of on the video. There are generations, generations of people who are craving wise and trustworthy guidance right now. They are craving someone to teach them, to help them, to just walk beside them. And guides, elders, it's your job, it's our job to pass on our life experience and our wisdom. It's possible, it's likely, that your parents don't or didn't have any problems telling you the truth about what they thought about your life. Perhaps your choices. Perhaps the, 
Yeah, how you spend your time or your resources or the decisions that you're making. This very conversation has come up in my house a couple of times this weekend. I didn't have any problems at all saying what my thoughts were on some choices that have been made. I'm sure that if your parents are still with you, they still have those thoughts. It doesn't matter how grown you are. That's what I've learned. But what if you don't have that? What if you don't have someone that is holding you accountable and teaching you? You need to find it. It's important. You need to have people who are spiritually wise. And to be clear, you need to see the evidence of that in their life, how they're living their life. It should be evident to you that they are capable of of having spiritual wisdom that is learned and earned and experienced. Now, let me also be clear. I am not saying that you honor these spiritual parents instead of your parents. It is as well as your parents. So back to the text today. We know what God says about honoring parents, and we know who we're supposed to honor. So what does that actually look like? How do we actually honor our mother or father? I found this definition in the dictionary of of honor as a verb. It means to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect or to give special recognition to. So how do you honor your parents or your spiritual parents, those that have gone before you? Well, as children, as children, it looked an awful lot like just obeying them, like Paul writes about in in Ephesians, right? Like, Like I used to consider this commandment. Instead of honor your parents, I would read it as children obey your parents, which is found somewhere else in Scripture. That is not what this commandment says. That is not how this reads. So as adults, what does that look like? Well, I would say that it looks more like regard, respect, and giving our attention to. So we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about how we can practically do some of these things. The first thing I want to say is very simple. Listen to them. This is especially important as you're having conversations with your actual biological parents or the parents who have raised you. I found this this research as I was studying this week. Studies report that it only takes three generations to lose a piece of oral family history. Three generations. That is the difference between my mother and my grandchildren. That's it. Three generations. And my stories, my family stories and legacy can be lost and forgotten. Our families have to be told over and over again our family's story. There's power in our story. Preserving your family legacy is a way to honor your parents. What do you want your children to know about your parents or your grandparents? And also consider what do you want your children and your grandchildren to know and remember about you? When all of my life until I was a senior in high school, my favorite person in the whole wide world was my great-grandmother. I called her Granny. That's what everybody called her. 
She was part of a big family, had a lot of kids, lots of grandkids, lots of great-grandkids. My time with her was precious. She died just shy of 100 years old. I would sit and listen to her. She was a phenomenal piano player, so much so that she would get paid to play for the silent films. She was paid to play for vaudeville. You Just look it up, young people. Just look it up. It was a thing. I remember her telling me stories of when she started working as a musician, as a piano player. She was a young girl, and she, her first job was at a dance hall in town, and she had to walk there, and she played the whole night for a nickel. That was the going rate for her time. Here's this thing about the story that I remembered as I was thinking about her this week. I remember her telling me that at her very first job of doing that, the end of the night, she got paid her nickel, and she dropped it, and it fell through the slats of the wooden floor. She spent the whole night working for no money, which we would have said for a nickel, it was no, no money to begin with. But to her, it was everything. It was her first job. She went home and cried. I remember her telling me that story. I remember sitting and listening to her play for hours. Even <laughs> as she got older, she became... I'm going to say she couldn't see very well. I'm going to say that she couldn't hardly see at all. But her pride would not let her admit that. And so she'd sit at the piano, even if, and my job was to turn the pages on the sheet music. The sheet music could be upside down. The woman would still, looking like this, like she's watching, turn the page, turn the page, because she knew it so well. But here's the thing that I didn't know to do because I was so young that I wish that I could do now. Now I have questions for her. It's great that she shared stories with me about what it was like to play music in different places because we shared a love of music. But I wish I could have asked her, what was it like to be a kid in the early 1900s? She was born in 1889. What was it like to start your family at such a young age? What was it like to be the mother of nine children? I would give anything to have one day back with that woman because I think that there was an incredible amount of wisdom that she could share that would be very relevant to me right now. And I realized as I was preparing for this Sunday that there are stories of hers that I have not shared with my children. They don't know who she is more than a picture that's in our living room. They don't know who she was. Make the time to listen to these stories about your family. The next thing you can do is learn from them. This is true for your parents and for your spiritual parents, the ones that have gone before you. Ask them for advice. Quite simply, they have experience that you don't have yet. They've learned lessons that you haven't yet learned. And like we mentioned earlier, we are all craving wisdom and guidance. Be intentional and seek it out. Don't think you're just going to stumble into it. Set aside time. Take them to coffee. Take them a meal. Sit with them. This goes along with the next point. 
The next thing, another thing you can do is appreciate and value them while they're here. And this is not just sending your mom a Mother's Day card on Mother's Day or buying a nice gift for your dad for his birthday. This is going to cost you something that is incredibly valuable and it is not your money. It is your time. Just like we talked about last week with the Sabbath, setting aside intentional and specific time to honor God, we have to also set aside specific and intentional time to honor our parents. I know how hard this can be. I am a pastor at a church of over 400 people. I know a busy schedule. I understand. I also understand that many of us are living in what's called the sandwich generation. How many people have heard of that? Research has shown that one in eight Americans are currently actively caring for their children at the same time as they are caring for at least one aging parent. That's the sandwich generation. That's attributed to a couple of things. People are living longer than they used to live. People are also having children much later than they used to have children. So this has put a crunch on our time for lots of reasons. We have to find a way to honor our parents and give them, and hear me when I say this, give them the appropriate amount of time. I say appropriate because as part of our brokenness, sometimes people struggle with boundaries. I'm talking to a couple people right now walking through that very hard thing in a parent relationship where their parents are demanding more of their time and attention than they feel is healthy. They are They are trying to care for their young children at home. And they don't want to shirk their responsibility, but the demands because of the the parents' brokenness is too much. God has certainly entrusted you with other responsibilities and maybe has blessed you with a family of your own. He's not saying, disregard that, that that thing that I have blessed you with and give all your attention to your parents. Do what is appropriate and healthy. Pray and ask for guidance if you need to help, if you need help sorting out what appropriate amount of time looks like. Another thing that you can do, and this is another big one, is you can stop the cycle of generational sin in your family. By that I mean that maybe you have negative history in your family. Maybe there's a history of abuse or abandonment. Maybe there's a history of neglect or just carrying huge financial debt that has been a burden on your family for generation after generation. One way to honor even those parents who have perpetuated this cycle is to break that cycle. Stop it. When you do this, you're changing your legacy, which changes the way that your children and their children will view your ancestors. They don't have to be burdened with carrying the knowledge of of all of the negative stories because I got to tell you, a lot of times that's the stuff that gets passed down. That's the stuff that we want to sit in and live in and we say we don't want to, but we do. We let that influence the decisions that we make today and we write those off as excuses because that's how my mom did it, or that's how my grandfather, that's what my grandfather did. 
That's not good enough. Stop the cycle. If you want to honor your ancestors, honor your parents, don't. Don't carry forward the things that you find as brokenness, the things that you have identified as, as not good. And this leads me to another way, tangible way, to honor your parents. Forgive them when it's necessary. It's almost always necessary. You know how I know this? Because there are no perfect parents. Forgive them whether they're still here or not. We have talked a lot about forgiveness in the past here at E3 and what God says about it. Your parents, my parents, are not perfect. They never were and they never will be. Please stop holding on to the hope of that. Recognize that they are broken people just like you. And likely, they were doing the very best they could given the circumstances that they were in. And here's maybe some shocking news for you. You won't be perfect parents either. But forgiveness and reconciliation demonstrates God's character in you. How we treat others, including how we are able to forgive them, shows our relationship, shows the work that God has done in us. Our parents offer very unique relationships to us. They hold a position in our lives, for better or worse, that no one else can hold. But I believe that God knew that that would be hard sometimes. That sometimes our parents wouldn't get it quite right. Or that as parents, we wouldn't get it quite right. But he calls us to honor our parents because he cares an awful lot about how we treat others. Scripture after scripture after scripture. Through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. You can hardly turn a few pages before you will see where God says this is important. I also think that he knows if we can get this commandment right, then we can better understand how to honor him. 